Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. I said last week that we make about 35,000 choices every day. It's stunning when you think about it, 35,000. And uh, I don't know if anyone else last week went home and checked what they washed first in the shower. But uh, did anyone do that, by the way? Yeah, you did? Yeah, you thought of it? That's great. See? Actually, what do I do in the shower? I don't know. What do I wash first? But uh, uh, it's a good thing. <laughs> you know, we're looking again at the Scripture. I thought... I actually only got through halfway through my message last week, so I thought it was worthwhile revisiting and pushing through the rest of this message because I think it's got value. It's not really what I intend to do, but it's what it will do this morning. So, uh, so I'll just recap on what we did last week. But we're looking at a great scripture out of the Old Testament, and it's, uh, uh, it's Moses in the Old Testament, and he's telling, or God's telling us through Moses, uh, the choices that we do have in life. Now, Moses has been in the wilderness for, for 40 years with the Israelites and uh, they've been wandering around and, and, and moaning and groaning and, uh, um, and, and Moses is an amazing man. He's an amazing leader. He has this amazing connection with God. He talks to God like a friend, like a friend is with him you know, in the room and uh, it's stunning. And he's leading this, the tribe of Israel into the promised land and all the promises that, that Israel have ever had throughout their history and, uh, but he's actually also told that you're not going in, Moses. You're going to die before you go in. And, uh, and, and in this statement, he's imparting those things he thinks the tribe of Israel needs to sustain them in this season. He, he's trying to impart God's wisdom into them so they know how they're meant to respond to situations. And it's out of Deuteronomy 30. And it starts in verse 15, and it says this, Today I am giving you a choice. You can choose life and success or death and disaster. God gives us, each and every one of us, a choice every day of our lives, every minute of our lives, I guess, life or success, death or disaster, blessings or curses. He doesn't force us to do anything. He gives us the opportunity to choose how we respond in every situation. It's your choice. And I'll, I'll you know, the, we could read the rest of that scripture, but I'll, I'll fast forward down to verse 19. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, and I set before you death, life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and may, your children may live. You see, these aren't just rhetoric. This isn't just a theory for Moses. He's actually had to live this and make some clear choices about how he's lived his life, about whether he's going to follow God or not, whether he's going to stand up to the Egyptians or not, whether he's actually going to take on this leadership role that God's asked him to or not. And uh, there's some big parallels there for us here this morning, I think. And I want to show you from the book of Hebrews now, from the New Testament, about the choices Moses made and how they affected his life. And and his children's life, and the nation of Israel, and in fact, affect our lives today, which is some amazing thought when you think about it. Because the choices we are making today can also be life and death. They can also be blessings and curses. They're the choices we make 
and you and I make every day. And sometimes we just don't recognise them as that. See, the choices we're making right now will determine where we end up at the end of our lives. Our lives are a sum total of the choices we are making right now. What choices are you making? What choice are you making about where you spend your time, what you give priority to, what's important to you, what, what you focus on? You know, the choices we make determine the trajectory of our lives. And uh, we're urged by Moses, by God, through Moses, here in the Scripture, to choose life. Now, it's not always that easy to work out what that actually means, I guess. But we have to choose to follow God in every situation. Let's, let's read this Hebrews 11, 23 to 27. And I'll get through the first two points that we did last week really, really quickly. And I'll get on to the last two. Hebrews 11, 23 to 27. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born. Because they saw that he was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to, mistre- to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as the greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible." Saw him who is invisible, obviously God he's talking about. First thought from last week, refuse to be defined by other people. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. You can listen to it on the podcast if you want to. But it's out of Hebrews 11.24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as a son of Pharaoh's daughter. You know, in life we can allow other people to dictate and define who we are. And, and, and it's really just important who we understand who we are in God's eyes Get a, get a revelation of that, then live our lives and make our choices based out of that foundation, not what the world says, but what God says to us, and make our choices from that foundation. As I said, if you want more on that, there's plenty in the, the podcast. Um, you know, Moses had to refuse to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He came to a point of revelation that recognized, I'm actually not an Egyptian. I'm not the grandson of the Pharaoh. I'm not that. I'm actually a Hebrew and I'm watching my people get you know, whipped and, 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 and slaughtered in slavery every day. Can I live with myself that? You see, sometimes we get, we get defined by people. Sometimes we just got to stand up on the inside and recognize and refuse to be defined by other people in our lives. The second thought that, as I said, I'm going quickly, Choose short-term pain for long-term gain. And uh, Hebrews 11.25, Moses chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. You see, that's a sign of maturity. That's a sign of spiritual maturity as well. It's got nothing to do with your age. You see, because I've seen young people make amazing choices with their lives. You know, I get, I get really affected by this when I see young people understanding this tithing and giving principle when, when they actually they, they only make you know whatever it is 50 100 bucks a week or something and they're tithing on it you go that is stunning to me that is wow they're understanding that short-term pain for long-term gain they're, they're getting what this kingdom of god thing is all about and that sets them up so well for life the short-term pain for the long-term gain we're playing a long-term game aren't we and here's the truth of this. <laughs> it's so easy not to do this. 
it's so easy not to do this. If we haven't got clarity about our own personal calling in God, our own personal values, uh, where we're going, how we're going to get there, it's easy not to make good choices because it doesn't really matter which direction we go. You know, it's just, just whatever direction you want. You know, like Alice in Wonderland, just whichever way you want to go. It doesn't really matter if you don't know, wh- don't know where you want to end up. But when we know who we are in Christ, or we know who we are at calling in God, that makes it so clear on the choices we make from that point. Life-giving choices. And, uh, you know, we looked at those kids with the um, marshmallows last week and uh, how they chose to either eat the one marshmallow and get the second one or, oh, sorry, not eat the first one and get, so they got a second one or they chose to eat the one that they didn't get a second one. And it's those short-term, uh, short-term pain for long-term gain that, that uh, you know, Moses chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. You see, he's got his identity out who God said he was. Who he re- and he got his own, I guess, uh, revelation of who he actually was. His calling, his values, integrity, his dreams. And he went through that tough stuff in the short term for the long-term gain for himself, for his family, for the nation of Israel, and in fact, for us as well, in, in fact, if you look at that. So that's, that's where we got to last week. And I haven't taken all morning to do that. That's good. It's your choice. Moses' life-giving choices. Here's the third thought I had. Choose what God values, not what culture values. Choose what God values, not what the world values. It's so easy to get caught up in the world values. Because that's where we're living every day of our lives. We're listening to news. We're listening to, to stuff on, on, on you know, podcasts or, or, or radio or whatever you listen to. It's all there. And we get influenced by that. Hebrews 11.26 says, Moses regarded that he made a choice to disgrace Disgrace for the sake of Christ is a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he's looking ahead to his reward. And this is such a, a, a big thought. It's easy to say, I will choose God first in my life. But then it's actually harder to follow through on that and make God choices, make life choices that line up with that and represent that well. You know, and that's why Romans 12 too is such an important scripture for us. You know, do not be conformed by the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And I really like the the Passion Translation. And it puts it this way. Stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying, perfect in His eyes. Wow. (laughs) Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. So easy to do that. So easy to get caught up in that. But be transformed by the Holy Spirit, by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to discern God's will as you live a beautiful, satisfying, and perfect in His eyes. You know, what, what's the pattern of this world? What, what, what's that scripture talking about? What are, the, what are the ideals and opinions of the culture around us? And I guess it comes to the, the question of, well, what does the world actually value? And I'll show you out of this scripture again. It's, it's quite stunning, really. We can get so caught up in this stuff. You see, the world values popularity, prestige, and power. You know, in, in verse 24, By faith Moses, when he grew up, refused to be known as the son of the Pharaoh's daughter. 
it would have been so easy for him not to make a choice. It would have been so easy for him to be the prince of Egypt, to stay in the power and the prestige and the, the, the popularity of what his role would have been. But he made a choice to step out of that. And, 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 and the problem, and sometimes we wouldn't think, well, popularity, prestige, power, I don't see there's a problem with that. The problem is it's all based in pride. It's all based in pride. And, and, and our world has got so messed up with this today, I believe. It's even hard to articulate this well this morning. I, I was trying to think it around my head, trying to think, well, what, what does that represent? But for instance, this is just one instance. And there's many of them, I'm sure. But social media celebrities are like the new leaders of our culture. Like, it, it's stunning. And you go, well, why is that a problem? Young people, you why is that a problem? Because the only reason they're popular is because they're saying everything that everyone wants to hear. They're not standing up for anything. They're, not saying, they're never saying anything you don't want to hear because that means they'll lose likes or lose followers or whatever that is on there. And they try to make themselves even more popular by tickling out the, the, the ears of popular culture to engage them because they have, that leads to popularity, which leads to prestige and power. And they value what the world values. I don't even know very much about these people, but I only know enough to, to say this. Consider the, the Kardashians. Now, what's the other, the other family group? What's the other ones? Is it, there's another group of many that, that hang together, apparently. They've done nothing in their lives except become celebrities. That, that's what they call themselves, celebrities. You go, what is that? And, and they have this huge influence, particularly on young people. Why? Because they worked out how to get popular. They have prostituted themselves in so many areas. Now, I'm no expert on this, but the, the, what I've seen is they date or marry only popular or wealthy people or sports people that have that got a huge profile. And they put their lives of excess out in the public and on TV. They only criticise something when it seems like popular opinion has turned that way, has moved that way. And they are always politically correct. They get paid to endorse stuff. They get paid to turn up to events and, and parties. They, they get paid to do that stuff. And we think it's their life. It's the reality of their life. And it's not. It's a facade. It's a lie. It's a deception. And we take serious what they say. And you go, duh. Like, compare this to Moses. To give you a biblical perspective on this. He would have been very unpopular in Egypt. In fact, he was unpopular amongst the Hebrews, you know? And in our world, he would have been unpopular because he was advocating change. He wasn't standing, he wasn't letting the status quo stay. He was actually challenging that. And for things that were countercultural, he was following God. And God's following God isn't popular. I know that. You know that. He had no prestige. So he was unpopular. He had no prestige. He chose to be a slave rather than a prince. He had no power by the world's standards. And yet, look what he did in his life. Think about that. You know, he chose God's plan and purpose and what was good for his people instead of what would have been easy and popular. Verse 24, By faith Moses, when he'd grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. What does the world value? Pleasure pleasure verse 25 he chose to be mistreated along with the people of god rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin 
Now, the truth is, if there wasn't some pleasure in sin, we wouldn't be tempted to do it, right? You're on the same page with me here. You understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying to sin, but the truth is, pleasure, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's some pleasure in the sin. And, and even though it's a fleeting pleasure, and even though uh, it, it never lasts, it, it, it never fulfills us, it fulfills us, it never leaves us feeling better about ourselves. It always makes us feel worse about ourselves and about our relationship both with God and people. And it's fleeting and yet it is tempting. And we need to understand that for, with our choices can't be based on fleeting pleasures in the short-term gain. We need to make our choices based on God's plan and, and, and God's long-term gain for us, you know, the long-term gain. See, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. There's no doubt there would have been so many opportunities as the son, grandson of the Pharaoh, the son of the daughter of the Pharaoh, for significant, for significant uh, opportunities to, to sin in that area, the pleasures of sin. Anything, see, Pharaoh was the most Im important and powerful man in Egypt, but actually in all the known world at that stage. And I, and I, I read this. Um, if Pharaoh said, cut your hand off, he was like God. He said, cut your hand off, you would have to cut your hand off. Like there wasn't an option that, or they would just cut it off for you. There was no, there's no comeback with that. If he said do something, you had to do it. And that was the sort of power and, and, and prestige that he would have had and access to this pleasure thing. What does the world value? Possessions. You know, verse uh, 26, um, who regard disgrace for the sake of a Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he's looking ahead to his reward. See, we can get so easily get caught up in this thing too. I'm not sure uh, how I can make this clear for you here this morning, but it would be like, I was trying to think of a way that I could express this that could help you understand it. It would be like if one of us won the lottery. You go, well, that's a good thing, isn't it? You go, well, yeah, maybe. But to receive the money and to win the lottery, you had to take all your winnings and possessions from all the people around you in your world your family your friends your church your community that you were from so yes you would be rich but guess what they'd be poor and have nothing and you would be comfortable and they'd be struggling and that was almost what moses choice was it was like i could be that i could be the prince of egypt or i can choose to be a slave i can choose to deny the treasures of egypt that are there for me and choose to make a difference in this world and our culture and our world seems to equate accumulating worldly possessions with living a life-giving life. And it's got nothing to do with it. You know, why do you think, and you read the stats on this, that why financially successful uh, um, guys and girls bit from business, from corporate background, they can have all the trappings of accumulated worldly possessions, you know, all the stuff. And yet profess feeling empty and unfilled, having broken relationships, little relationship with family and or real friends. And, and you read about these guys and go, you've got everything. How come you're feeling so bad about yourself? And there was a book that Robin had a few years ago. It was a really interesting reading. I didn't get a chance to read the whole thing, but I sort of summary read it. And, uh, and it was the top five regrets of dying. It was, it was written by a palliative care nurse. Uh, her name was Bronnie Ware. She was Australian and she was spent many years uh, uh, 
um, caring for patients who were dying in the last 12 weeks of their lives. And she'd ask the, the, question, the patients these questions or ask them these thoughts. Any regrets they had or anything they would do differently? And she wrote in this summary, All the men I nursed deeply regretted spending so much of their lives on the treadmill of work existence. One of their greatest regrets was not spending enough time uh, sewing into their marriage with their spouse in growing that relationship, that they didn't give time to their kids as they were growing up, and, and now they had all this wealth, but all their kids were grown up and they had all left home, and, and they had nothing. They wished they cared less about their work and accumulating possessions and more about their relationships. Because truthfully, at the end of our day, Relationships are the only thing that really leave a lasting legacy in our life, if you think about it. Uh, I'll tell you the, uh, the, five, the five regrets, that what they were, the top five regrets of, of the dying. This is a real quick summary. But I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not to the life others expected of me. I wish I hadn't worked so much. I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. And I wish I had let myself be happier. Stunning. See, that, that's the insight we can get into uh, our lives if we choose to, if we consider that. You know, for, for Moses, here we go, disgrace for the sake of Christ is a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he's looking ahead to his reward. You know, 1 John 2.17, the world and everything in it that people desire is passing away. But those who do the will of God live forever. So we heard what the, the world values, and I'll give you a quick understanding of what God values. God's purpose is more important than popularity and celebrity status. God's purpose is more important for your life than popularity. Now, I know as a young person, that's hard. I'd, I'd rather be popular, I think. No, you wouldn't. Truly, you wouldn't. Truly you wouldn't. Follow God's purposes for your life. You know, 1 Thessalonians 2, 4, our purpose is to please God, not people. He's the one who examines the motives of our hearts. The second thought, people are more important than pleasure. People are more important than your pleasure. People in your world, you know, an opportunity to sow into someone's life is, is so much more important than your pleasure. And I tell you, we're going to be judged on this at the end of our day. I, I, I just, it's just one of those things I know God takes seriously. And the third thought here, what does God value? Peace of mind and relationships are more valuable than possessions. Peace of mind, peace of God that transcends all understanding. And relationships are more valuable than possessions. You know, choose what God values, not what culture values. And last thought. Choose to live by faith and not by fear. So Hebrews 11:27, By faith Moses left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith Moses left Egypt. By faith Moses let the, left the people, led the people of God towards the promised land. By faith Moses lifted his staff to, to, to separate the, the Red Sea, to walk through. By faith... Moses trusting God for water and food in the wilderness by faith, not by fear. And, and so often we live our lives by fear. We make our choices out of fear. And we never move forward and we ne it never brings us the life that God meant for us. We, and, and here's the truth of it. We, we never move out of the slavery and the captivity 
into the freedom that God has got for us. We never really reach the, the, the promised land because we're stuck in our choices based in fear. And even though it looks like we're moving towards the promised land, we're still making fear choices right now and we never actually enter into the promises God has got for us. You see, that, the, the fear choice will never help us live bigger or more generous lives. It, it'll keep us in maintenance mode or fear will keep us small and restricted and reactive in our lives. Whereas choices based in faith require us to grow more, trust more, risk more, respond more. You know, I have got enough time just to, to touch on this this morning. Didn't know if I would. You know, in Exodus 5, it's a fascinating story about bricks without straw. And, and it's when Moses, after he'd been away, burning bush experience, came back into the promise, into Egypt, and, and said to Pharaoh, let my people go. Let my people go. <laughs> and Pharaoh's response says, nah, go away. And then starts blaming Moses for you know, them not doing their work and, and being lazy and all these sorts of things. So the Pharaoh orders the slave drivers not to supply straw to the people who are making bricks. And they require them to make the same number of bricks as they were before, but also gather the straw, whereas before the straw was, was supplied for them when they are making the bricks. So the Hebrews... The slaves had to go and find the straw. They had to go throughout the fields and pick up stubble and straw to make the bricks. Now, the reason that they need straw in the bricks is if they make bricks without straw, the bricks just fall apart. And so they just don't work. And, and, uh, and I think that's, you know, they need a lot of straw in their bricks to make them. So the, the, it tells us the Hebrew overseas were being beaten because they couldn't produce the same number of bricks. And Pharaoh made it clear is because Moses had asked him to let their people go. Now, this is my question when I read this, this passage. I will read it because it, it's worthwhile reading. Exodus 5, 19 to 21. Exodus 5, 19 to 21. The Israelite overseas realized they were in trouble when they were told, you are not to reduce the number of bricks required for you each day. When they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. And they said, may the Lord look on you and judge you. You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. And it's fascinating when you think about this, this little passage. Um, God allowed the trouble. God actually was at the, the foundation of this trouble. I read it the first time. I went, wow, why did God allow that? Like they're already in slavery and they're trying to get out, and, and why would why would you know why would the Pharaoh react that way, and why would they make it tougher on these slaves? And sometimes God allows trouble in our lives for our good. I want you to hear this this morning. I want you to hear this really, really clearly. Um, see, these guys were in trouble. They just didn't realize they were in trouble, and they needed more trouble to realize the trouble they were actually in. Think about that. Containment and slavery and fear is a difficult pattern to break out of. And for the, the, the tribe of Israel, they had been in slavery for 430 years. 430 years, probably about 20 generations of containment and slavery. See, see freedom is sometimes a little more complicated than we think. I read about this, this um, Stockholm Syndrome. It was back in 1973. And... Uh, uh, and, and these bank robbers went to a bank and they, they, they uh, kept the people hostage in there and things went wrong. So they actually ended up staying, keeping those hostages for a whole week in captivity. And a strange thing happened that the, 
the people that were captive actually became uh, sort of attracted and friendly with the robbers. And, and they were actually against the police trying, who were trying to break them free. <laughs> they actually took the side of the robbers, the, the, the people who were keeping them contained. And they wouldn't testify at court. Once, once it all was over, they wouldn't testify at court. And in fact, I read this. One of the when the one of the guys went and they only went for ten years because no one would testify against them, so they, they got out pretty quickly. And one of the girls who was uh, one of the the captives actually married one of the bank robbers when the, when he came out of jail. You go, what is that about? What what the heck is that about? And and I, I think there's something we can apply to that to Israel here, the nation of Israel, but I think there's something we can apply to ourselves as well. You see, we have these fears. We, we actually, no matter what trouble we're in, sometimes we're happier staying in the trouble we're in than the stress and the pressure of getting out of that, the, the, the risk or the faith it'll take or the work it'll take. And sometimes we get contained in our lives and we need more trouble to be a catalyst to move us out of trouble. Because we allow the fears and the insecurities and the frailties to block the purposes of God for our lives and for our children's lives and the promise of God for the nation in, in Moses' situation. They're choosing, choosing slavery over freedom. They're happy in their containment. They're thinking and acting like slaves and in fear. And the problem is we can easily judge the Israelites in this situation for not wanting to get out of uh, Egypt into the promised land but we can become so accustomed and feel safe and living in containment and living small lives that maybe we don't sometimes recognize the containment that's keeping us small sometimes you see the fear of change can keep us in captivity and slavery in our lives you see until the pain of staying the same becomes more than the pain of change we'll very often choose to do nothing which is really no choice at all until the pain of staying the same becomes more than the pain of change we'll do nothing we'll, we'll stay in captivity we'll stay fearful and most of us would logically say if we asked the question i'd choose freedom over captivity every time wouldn't we like if it was just a question of course but so often we stay we choose to stay in the confines the safety of confines of slavery and containment because we're not forced to make that decision. I think that's what's going on with this bricks and straw thing. God brought more trouble on the, the nation of Israel until the pain was so much they recognized they actually had to make a choice. They actually had to make a choice for freedom rather than slavery. They actually had to make a choice for, to operate out of faith, not fear. And even though that and even though they made that choice in that stance, what happened? They they got to the promised land. They freaked out again. They were moaning and groaning all the way. Wouldn't it have been better for us to die in Egypt than out here in the wilderness? You know, when it, why don't you just take us back to Egypt? We're, how come we haven't got food and water? We had food and water back there. We haven't got any food and water here. And they get to the promised land, the opportunity to step into what God had for them. And they choose not to. The, the giants are too big. The people are too strong. The, the villages are too fortified. We, we can't do it. And they operated out of fear. You see, my Bible tells me 
that our God is a God that does exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think or imagine. That's the God that, that is there for us to choose to follow. And I'm not saying it's an easy choice sometimes. It's a difficult choice. But is that the God you know? Or is your, the, your God the smaller God? You see, our miracles are determined by the size of the God we know. Our choices are determined by the size of the God that we know. Who's, who is the God that you know? Who is the God that you are following? Who is that God for your life? You see, the Word of God says, my God, your God, our God, is a God that does exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or imagine according to the power of God in us, in you and me. See, we already have the power. It's whether we choose to, to ask, whether we choose to imagine, whether we choose to think what is possible. And let God do the miracle in us and through us. See, God does all things for the good of those who love Him, according to His purpose. He will allow trouble in our lives for His purpose to get our attention, help us think differently. The way we we see ourselves, the way we see things, we get a perspective on life based on fear. But it's to help you get released out of captivity into freedom. The freedom that He has for you and for me. It's a choice. It's a choice. You know, and there's no better scripture to finish with than Jeremiah 29, 11. <laughs> for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for your good. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. They're plans to give you hope and a future. You see, we need to choose what God values, not what the world values. We need to choose to live by faith and not by fear. Let me pray. Father, we we thank you, God, for your word. God, we thank you for the wisdom and and the insight it gives us for our lives and uh, for our children's lives, for the world around us, God. But God, it's so complicated, it seems, in our world. And yet, God, you're uncomplicated. (laughs) Live by faith, not by sight. God, we choose to have faith in you in all situations. God, we choose to follow you in every situation, God. We choose you in every situation, God, no matter how fearful we might feel, how countercultural it might seem. God, we choose to follow you in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray there's a peace that transcends all understanding as we choose follow you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylife Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.